Second Peter there where it ends up that we, are, we have a divine nature in a world that is evil and corrupt. And indeed that is a struggle that we all have to go through. And you know every week when we play the Lord's Prayer part of the Lord's Prayer is lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And I'm not sure that we always appreciate how God has indeed delivered us from evil and also from temptation. And the problem and difficulty because of its ever-presence in our lives. And it shows its ugly head in different ways, but there's a, it's a problem for humanity. And I have entitled this sermon today, taken from James chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, where James is, is reminding us of the adversary that we have. Because we are in an adversarial relationship, uh, unbeknownst to many, but known to us. Because humanity has a common enemy, and a common enemy that oftentimes we have little discussion about, or none at all. And it is what I would call public enemy number one. It is the public enemy for the whole universe. And that is, and, the, and I put in here the aliases that this particular public enemy has, has had. Uh, originally had the name, as we understand it from Scripture, Lucifer. He was to be, be a light bringer. He was to bring the light to humanity. However, he did not do that. And so he now has the name of Satan, the devil. He's an angel in disguise. And that seems like, wow, that's, uh, how can you be an angel in disguise? But he, he is an angel in disguise, but, and his disguise is a very deceptive disguise. He's referred to as an evil spirit, as an adversary. Jesus referred to him as a murderer and a liar. And that he was that from the beginning. We, when we think of the beginning, we're introduced to this adversary as a, as a serpent who is busy tempting and trying to get Adam and Eve to, to follow him and saying that God is very unfair in what he has done. And and, and again, as what is pertinent to us today, and one of the things that I want to get across, the setting that we find the serpent in is in the garden. And everything in the garden except one thing is good, really, really good. And there is this tree in the midst of the garden, and it appears that the serpent is able to take Adam and Eve's focus entirely off of all the things which God has provided for them and focus it on one little thing, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, how does that apply to us today? I would say that it applies to us today in the world in which we live, that we can simply lose focus in our world of negativity, in our world of war. And by the way, what did Jesus say about war? He says, in the latter days, you hear wars and rumors of wars and all that, but what does he say about it? See that your hearts be not troubled. That's not a new, it's in Matthew 24, but again, for us to be reminded of that. So he is also um, a ruler of darkness. He is the prince of this world. He is a deceiver. He is deceptive. And he is accusative. And in the book of Revelation, it is 
defined as he is the accuser of the brethren. And so in our world today, we find a lot of people uh, slanderous of one another and very accusative of one another and finding fault with one another and extremely judgmental. Uh, in a conversation I was overhearing this past week, people were talking about how punitive and how God, if you don't do this, God will punish you. And toward the end, they asked me, thought, I said, well, you know, I just got to reframe this. You all are looking at this as if God is busy and that's his whole job is out to punch people. And in this whole focus, I believe that you lose track of the fact that it is by the grace of God and that God came to save sinners. And this attitude about punishment is not truly reflective of what our Lord truly is all about. That doesn't mean that there are not consequences to life, but your, your, your approach and your attitude of, of bringing fear and, you know, mongering fear to them does not speak correctly of who God is. However, on the other hand, what we also see and what I want to bring to our attention today here is in James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and beginning in verse 7 and 8, where James is talking about our responsibility. He says, submit yourself, yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee you. Now James uses the word devil here. And in our world today, again, people throw that around rather loosely and as if they don't believe in. And a lot of people do not believe that there is a devil. In fact, that was part of the conversation that was going on. But to resist the devil, he will flee you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So this is what James is telling them. Now... When we look at this, we have to realize that as Christians, it speaks to us and that we are to resist his influence. And how does he influence us? Well, we have an example, and this example helps us in a number of ways in looking at how he tempts people, how he brings about evil on the one hand, and also it again solidifies the fact there is such a creature if we want to call it that, that is the devil. And that is found in Matthew chapter 4, and it is given authenticity by the fact that Jesus is the one involved in this temptation. This is in Matthew chapter 4, and beginning in verse 1, because we, we see here that he is, who this is, it's the devil, and that he is a tempter. So here's what we read. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted of the devil. And so, this is the commentary that we have from Matthew. And after 40, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him. And he said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, this is part of the temptation that comes from the devil, the adversary. The big if. If this is the case then do this. And what he may, what he throws out there is that well, there will be a seemingly good result come from this. And with the example of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they saw the fruit, that it looked good, that it tasted good, and all of that. And then came, as it were, I'll use this term, sour apples or sour grapes with it. 
after the fact. But in the moment, it looked good. In the moment for Jesus to take stones and turn them into bread, and by the way, I'm going to select, if I've been fasting 40 days, I'm going to select a big stone anyway, so to make sure that I have plenty of bread and the like. But he's going to do this if you are the Son of God. This is to tempt him as to who he is. And then we find, when we think about resisting the adversary, that he quotes the Bible, and it appears to be on your side. He quotes it as if you are going to be the beneficiary of how he understands the Bible, but he always uses it in a deceptive means, and we find that throughout all of this. And his common theme is that God is unfair. Now, we also have to realize, so we have that example, which, again, would fly in the face of anyone who believes the Bible and yet, on the other hand, doesn't believe that there is a tempter, there is a devil, there is an adversary, and this is how he works. We also find that Jesus uh, is telling his disciples that Satan does have an interest in us as well. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is telling uh, Peter here that Satan has a desire. And his desire in Luke chapter Uh, 22 in verse 31 is this. He he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, again, we have, this is not out of of line in what scripture teaches us because we find in the book of Job, we find Job, this example of Job, and, and Satan, as it were, comes before God and says, have you, you know, considered Job and all of these things. And then he's God keeps him from doing what he wants to do, and that is to take his life. But Job has quite an encounter uh, and has quite a difficulty there. So Satan wanted to sift him as wheat, and that means I want to tear him apart. That's what his love. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I think this is one of the lessons that we learn in our adversity that comes, and even as Peter will talk about, through the difficult things, through the the temptations, the trials that we have in our life, we can learn that indeed that Satan, the, the promises that he makes, because I would say that all of us, one time or another, or many times through our life, have fallen prey to what Satan wants us to do. In fact, I had a counseling session just recently in which the person was saying to me that the, in this case, the older individual was saying, well, it's the adversary that made me do it. Now, this person wasn't old enough because I quoted Flip Wilson, you know, the devil made me do it, but this person did not go back that far and the like. And I said, well, what's wrong with that statement? This is made by a Christian. The devil made me do it. So that means that if the devil makes you do it, you give in, you don't resist, because James is telling us to resist the devil. So this attitude of, well, the devil made me do it, is attempting to blame Satan, which indeed he is the source behind all sin, but at the same time, just taking ourselves out of the loop entirely, like there's nothing that we can do about it, and therefore we're going to do it. No, we are to resist 
his temptation. And by the way, when we think about his temptations, we must realize that as in the garden, they appear to be not so bad. They appear not to be so bad. But the end result, for example, it does not appear to be bad to take stones and make it into bread. Because that's a need. I have this need. It's just that, and then the temptation is, if you are the Son of God, then you do this. Do what I tell you to do. That is the way that he operates all the time. And that's also the way that he operates in our lives. So, again, James is saying, submit yourselves to God. Now, this is a constant, brethren, and something that we must understand. Because as we get towards what the Apostle Paul tells us in terms of battling this, what we must understand is that James starts this off by saying, again, that we are to submit ourselves to God. This is very, very important for us to understand. It is the upfront thing that we do in our lives, is submit to God. Now, what does submit to God look like? Well, submit to God means that Satan's always promising you instant gratification up front. Now, this is the same thing that, that happens uh, in terms of, uh, of people in, in gratifying themselves. It certainly happens in the world of addiction. In the world of addiction, the drug of choice gives them supposedly an immediate fix to their problems right up front. Take a drug, you feel good as opposed to, to, to the process sometimes of how that you might healthily take care of, an, of, of a problem. So, again, resist, we are to resist him, and he will flee you. Now, resistance also is a consonant. It's, it, there's never a time to entertain, entertain the devil and his ways. We've all done that. You know, I'm not going to do something, and then the more you think about it, the more you think about it, the closer and closer and closer and closer, and finally, you do it. The devil and a donut. You know, if you don't need a donut, and it's really not the best thing for you, if it's just sitting there, we say such thing, it's calling my name. You know, come get me. And the more you look at it, and then the saliva begins to roll in your mouth and you be, you, know, you know just imagine if you, and, and this is a terrible thing if you happen to be a donut addict for me it's potato chips I love potato chips and if I have one I want to have a bunch so I have to have a different strategy for not having them around because when I have them around I intend to eat them and enjoy them in the light so resistance is a constant. So you don't entertain the devil in his ways. And then the other point I want to make here is the subtlety. It is so subtle, but it is so deadly. So for us, I want us to stop and think about the devil's doing in our everyday life. And I, I put a list of D's here. They all stand for the devil. One is doubt and cynicism. You think about, the, which is totally contrary to faith, the ability to trust God. But we begin to doubt God. And you think that, and kind of the way, this is also one of those issues that 
that the the apostles talked about that we grow weary, we grow weak, and we grow tired, and we live in a world that begins to doubt the devil. One thing, which unfortunately that's a bad thing, but we also begin to doubt there is a God, and uh, and when things happen to us, sometimes that you think, well, where is God in all of this? And we got to we got to realize that doubt comes from the devil. And that's where he started in the book of Genesis was doubting God. You're going to have more knowledge if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then he is also the author of discouragement. So you have to ask yourself, have you ever been discouraged? And by the way, if you have ever been in doubt and have you been discouraged, have you resisted it? Because Who is the author of discouragement? God, when we think about the Holy Spirit, is a God of comfort. He's a God of encouragement. He is a God of guidance and direction, but discouragement. And so how do you do you do resist being discouraged? And diversion. Again, I was talking about losing our attention. You know, he diverted their attention from everything that was in the garden and got their focus on this. And I will say that we as Americans right now have had our attention diverted from the reality of God to politics. And by the way, some of us may think that one or the other candidate is the answer to our problems. And how far off are we there? How far off? And yet we, we, we may set our hopes in that. And I'm just saying that the prayer of Jesus is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Uh, by the way, and his righteousness. It is about God. But it's easy enough. We think, well, we have our responsibility, and we do. But we have to remember the focus is yet no man. No man is going to save us can save us, except our Lord. So there's diversion and attention getting. There is defeat and hopelessness. You can never win. It is impossible for you to win. And what we recognize, again, the reality is we have won in Christ. He has overcome the devil. He has overcome the world. And then another aspect of the devil's working in our life is delay. We want it now. And the devil is impulsive and creates an impulsiveness in us. Several years ago, I gave that sermon that I entitled Calendar of Cares, in which I asked people to list all their cares. And we made a calendar of those, and we reviewed it a year later. And the things that we were so worried about, how God had taken care of them. Now, we could rehearse some of our cares that we've had over the years. Recently, I was reading a paper written by one of our members back in 19, sorry, in about 2004, about where the church would be and how that we would be bankrupt by the end of 2004 and the like. And the church would no longer exist and how this would all go out. And I read it and I understood the concerns at the moment. But the reality is, here we are. 
here we are because God has provided. And again, God takes care of it. You know, we, we think about our relationship. We think about our kids and some of the situations that they've been in, our, our own personal lives, even our own personal health, how God has taken care. But again, because God does not do things seemingly instantaneously, and yet he, he does on the other hand. You know, when God said, let us make man in our image, and before the creation of the world, you know, Christ died for that's kind of instantaneous, and then the process needs to follow along. And it's like the sermon that I want to give in the near future, which is on the pain in the process, because there is, in our world, pain in the process. But delay. So the devil is impulsive, and he, we don't want delays. And then the doing. The devil wants us to do as if that will answer the problem. Turn those stones into bread. Abraham, you know, take this woman. That will solve that problem. You know, we all have done some doing. And then think, look back on, oh, my. I, I, I was doing my own thing. And then the devil is the author of depression. I don't know, you know, how many of you are in and out, or no people, or situations like that. But I had an interesting experience this past week. I was on my prayer walk, and it was one of those mornings, for me anyway, I was going through the motions. And I was trying to pray, and interesting enough, the, the bird that kind of encourages me, several birds that sing their songs that remind me of, well, as I've mentioned before, when I see the robin, I'm reminded of hope. When I hear the crescent net hatch, I'm reminded of home. When I see the dove, I'm reminded of the love and the peace and the joy of Jesus. They were all singing, but I was, I was in that fog. For me, a fog. I was just, in, and I was thinking about the scripture, seeing they see not, hearing they hear not. It was one of those moments were seeing and hearing and all that. I just simply could not get out of my little funk I was in. Not that any of you have ever been in a funk and alike, or as my friend back in the southeast used to call it, the mully grubs and the like. But, but the point here is we can either stay in it or we can re recognize, well, who is the great depressor? Satan is. What do I have or you have to be depressed about? Because who are we? And why are we what we are? There's great encouragement. And then there's death. You, you know, Satan is the author of death. He's a murderer. He is a deceiver. He is all of those things. And yet, you and I, brethren, even in that, as we kind of march onward and the light through life, we recognize that we still have hope. But I'm just saying that the devil has his doings in our life on a daily basis. And the question for us is, do we resist that? Do we? Because if you don't think there's a devil that's involved in our depression, our doubt, our discouragement, our diversion, our defeat, our delay, and our doing, and all of those things, then you kind of just go with the flow. Well, it's just a sad day. We, you know, we're kind of like Eeyore. We walk around with a cloud over our head. 
And instead of being, well, my cloud over him may, may mean that's going to rain. For us, that would be something good and the like. We have an appreciation. So James is reminding us of that. Now, when we do not resist the devil, here's what James is telling us here in the beginning of this chapter, which again speaks to the present world in which you and I live. But in this particular case, he's talking among brethren and the problems. And so what he says here in James chapter 4 and verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He doesn't just say the world. So any of you had a fight or quarrel with anybody? Do you get upset? Where, where, he says, where do they come? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, this is another point that we have to understand in terms of resisting the adversary, that we have our own human nature that we're battling against, which, by the way, he uses against us, our own human natural desires and lust to have something, and especially lust to have things that we don't have, as if we should have them. And failing to realize all the things that we do have. And then using what we do have in a, in a way that is helpful and appreciative. Because we have things. He says, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel, you fight, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask for wrong motives. What you may spend... What you get on your own, on your pleasures. This is the self-centeredness. And again, that is part of the, the adversary. I deserve. I am entitled to this. And you know what? What are we entitled to? What are we entitled to? And what, you know, we, we're in a country of rights. Everybody has their rights. But when everybody gets their rights, Quote, right, you have anarchy. That's what you have. If everybody in a household says, I want my right. I have a right to leave my clothes on the floor. I have the right to leave the dishes in the sink. I have the right to turn this music up as loud as I want. I have a right to sleep to noontime. I have a right that I don't want to go to work and the like. I have a right, you know. I have all these rights. When everybody has their rights, it ends up wrong. Yes. Totally wrong. And so we have to resist this attitude that we are, well, we have our rights, God. It is unfair that you don't give us this tree of the knowledge. Good and evil. I need to know right and wrong. You're not being fair to me. And so when, and that's what Satan says in our life. So we end up with fights. And that was true in the Christian community. It is also a question for the whole world. Now, what James tells us in verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, I've mentioned in your notes, the devil made me do it. It is not resisting the devil. We are not called to be his servants. But we also have to realize his ploys in life. Because if we don't recognize his ploys, how in the world can you resist it? If you think, if we think, well, we're entitled to everything, if we think that, oh, well, that's just who we are, and that's just the way that God has made us, and that's just the bottom line, and we don't resist it, 
Like I said the other day when I was walking in the mully grubs or in a funk and all of that, I had, you know, it, was, it was a fight. And then I, there's things you have to recognize. Well, okay, this is where I am. Now, what is the reality? Well, the reality is the birds were singing, the sun was shining, the wind was cool and beautiful, things were growing, life was good. That was the reality. But the devil was a yoke, a weight around my shoulders. Now, Paul recognized the same thing about Satan's influence in our life. And as I say, we minimize Satan. But, and this isn't to get us thinking about Satan. It's just to know what his tricks are in our life. But it is to draw us close to God. So David, uh, David, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, he says in verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and the, his mighty power. And he says again about the resistance that we're to have. Because it involves being strong in the Lord. And then in the power of his might. So this is not something, brethren, that we can just, as it were, take on ourselves. I'm reminded of those disciples who's, who tried to rebuke the demon and all of that. And the spirit said, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know and who are you I don't. And then just whooped up, you know, and it was a person possessed of a devil, which is what the devil did. And, and they, you know, they left bleeding and naked and all that. They, they just tore him up. So it is about being close to God and trusting in the Father, believing and understanding Scripture correctly. And so it is important to know the power that is available to us and the help that we have in Christ because according to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, he has, and I firmly believe, he has all power in heaven and earth. And we, now our problem can be, well, Lord, if you got all power in heaven and earth, then solve this problem immediately. No, there are reasons for God doing the, what he has done. But he, so Paul goes on to tell us to put on the tools of resistance. There are, to put on the whole armor of God. Now let me say this, brethren, what is important for us to understand at this point. It's kind of like the example of David and Goliath. Saul offered to David all of his, you know, his shield, his sword, all of those things. That wasn't the armor of the God for, the, for that particular day. What David did and what Paul is saying here and what James is also saying is you draw, for, first of all, close to God. He is, he is your source of strength. He is your power. He is all of those things because when Jesus was tempted of the devil in Matthew chapter 4, what did he do? When Satan quoted scripture, he did not say, well, let me tell you, I got this over here. And like, No, he quoted scripture and he quoted it correctly. That's it. So it's important for us to draw close to him. Otherwise, if we just grab up, as it were, the armor, and we run off as, and without drawing first close to God, you're in for big trouble. I'm in for big trouble. So here's, here's the armor that we put on. And this is what we need to understand. This is what reduces the negativity and the resistance because, again, it isn't that you're going to resist the devil, as it were, just standing up and fighting toe-to-toe. -to -toe. It is 
what we have available to us. First of all, he tells us in verse 14, and these weapons are not outdated. They are not antiquated. They are spiritual weapons that work. One is resist the devil with the truth. Now, what is the truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. That's the truth of the matter. It is the truth that we have in Christ. And what is the truth that we have? Well, we have the truth, and the devil will make us want to think that we are not loved, that God is unfair. No, we are loved of God, and we're loved incredibly, that God is very gracious to us, and the truth sets us free. The devil is busy trying to enslave us. It sets us truth. It sets us, the truth sets us free from sin, from doubt, and fear. So what is the truth? The truth of the matter is, we are sons of God, we are called of God, we are chosen of God, we have salvation, we have an inheritance, we are ritually rewarded, we have a relationship with God. The truth of that God loves us. He loves, that's the truth. Now, we also then put on the, the breastplate of righteousness. We sang, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Oh my, it is amazing how that we have our own ways of solving the problems and we are right in how we solve them. And we also recognize that putting up righteousness of Christ means there will be times that you'll suffer for righteousness. You think, well, if, if I do the righteous thing, then I'm going to be blessed. Hey, God's got a blessing. No, sometimes you do the righteous thing and you will suffer. The example, of course, obviously is Jesus. The crucifixion, the cross, he did the right thing. He did the righteous thing. And he suffered for it. We can get bent out of shape. We may not always do the right thing in the right way, but we are, we are seeking his righteousness and not ours. And that's how we fight the devil, because again, according to our righteousness, we deserve everything. We deserve everything in the garden, and we deserve it now, etc. The other is the gospel of peace. To recognize we resist the devil because Jesus has made peace through his blood. And we have a peace, and we're called to be peacemakers. That's how you resist the devil. The devil's working for strife, for warfare, and all of that. We find a peace that we have in Christ, Jesus. We put on a shield of faith. That is, we take the shield of faith, we live by faith, and here's what our faith tells us. Our faith tells us that there were those who have gone on before for us who have not yet received their reward. This is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. But they've received a good report, and God, together with all of us, will bring us together, and there will be a time when the reward of all of our faith. So we have the shield of faith. Whether, whether I live, whether I die, is kind of what the Apostle Paul, and because, again, Satan is going to say, you can't trust God. And the reality is, yes, you can trust God. And we trust God in life and in death. In, in death, in the sense that we know that we'll, we have a hope of the resurrection. We have a God who does not leave us or does not forsake us. And then we put on the helmet of salvation. We recognize that Jesus is the author of our eternal salvation. And as I was mentioning in the Bible study this past week in Santa Rosa, we're talking about how don't neglect so great a salvation. 
again, it is about what God has done and what God is doing because we cannot save ourselves. And that's got to be in our head that we have salvation. It's, and it has been given to us, not that we can save ourselves. The third is, the, uh, the, the next point is the sword of the Spirit. That is, we use this, the, the Holy Spirit working in our life. Again, makes all the difference. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. You go down through that. That is totally contrary to the way that Satan operates. Totally contrary to that. And so we use that. And the Spirit then helps. And it's kind of like the sword of the Spirit. We're reminded that it, it dissects us, as it were. It helps us to understand. Leads us to Christ, because that's what the Spirit does and glorifies Jesus, and anything that doesn't glorify Jesus is not of God. The Spirit leads us there. Then the Word of God, well, we're led by every Word of God. It is by Scriptures, and then we recognize the real truth of the matter of this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is how we resist that. And we're reminded of that. And then he ends in verse 18 of Ephesians 6 by prayer. We pray. And we ask God, help us. Help us through, through life. Help us to resist the adversary. And rather than spend our time focusing on that, we focus on Jesus. And when we do that, we actually do resist him. Because... I think it's unfortunate sometimes that people spend all their time focusing on the devil. When you read the New Testament, let's think about the examples. How many examples do we have of the devil? We find Jesus, the temptation, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 4. We find the Apostle Paul talking about he is transformed into an angel of light. We find this example in the book of Ephesians. We find the example also in the book of James about resisting the devil. You know, but it, it is not the major theme. We also find in the book of Revelation about a time of great upheaval, the accuser of the brethren and all of that. But it isn't that thing that the devil made me do it. The devil under every rock and the like. I don't have time for him. But I need to be aware of him. Because I got this, like, like the garden of Eden, I got this whole garden to enjoy. I don't have time for it. Unfortunately, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, unfortunately, is right in the middle. So you're going to encounter him in your life. So when I encounter him, when I'm getting doubtful, down, discouraged, depressed, you know, all of these things, I have to resist that. I have to resist that and, and look to Christ. Now, lest you get scared or anything like that and overly concerned, let me remind you of this. And I want to read this very quickly in conclusion. This is what John says. Dear friends, John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Now, we live in a world today where people do seek after spirits, they seek after angels, they seek after a number of things. But John says, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you're going to recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge him, Jesus is not from him, 
This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. We live in a world that is opposed to, to Christ. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And you must always remember that. Just because you may feel down, discouraged, or what, the one in you is greater than the one in the world. They are from the world and therefore they speak of the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. This is what the, all the chatter that we're hearing all the time coming from everywhere. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. That's the world in which we live. Our job and our responsibility is to recognize there is a devil. He does have his deeds and his doing. Resist it. And we resist it by drawing near to God and to have our focus on Christ Jesus. For him, because we have hope, we have salvation, we have all these things because we have a loving God whom we serve. He is not an adversary. He is our advocate. And we rejoice in that. And in his name, let's conclude in prayer. Father, we thank you very much for your blessings. We thank you for your word, for your understanding that you give to us. Help us to focus on your son, to your glory, to your praise and honor. And recognize, Father in heaven, we have so much in terms of just delighting in him and the love that we can share because he has shared his love with us. So we ask now your blessing on all. And Father, help us to focus on your son, to your glory and praise and honor. In his name we do pray. Amen. Feeling the blues today or tired of life already? Do you have questions about life or need spiritual advice? The Worldwide Church of God is located in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto, California. We welcome everyone to attend our worship services with us every week at the times listed on your screen.